Hey everyone, this is Craig Horlbeck from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Join me, Danny Heifetz, and Danny Kelly every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to help you win your draft, win your league, and most importantly, avoid that last place punishment. Follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. It's the Ringer's Philly Special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special, Shiel Kapadia, joined by Sean Syed of Sumer Sports for our midweek show. We're talking Eagles Chiefs film review, and uh, I don't even know how to describe that win. I was going to say unlikely, but you know what? When when the, when you go twenty three and two with the starting quarterback, I'm not going to say unlikely. It's like they made plays at the end. The Chiefs did not make plays at the end. You go into Arrowhead, you beat the defending Super Bowl champs. You don't have to apologize for that. This is a Thanksgiving week edition, Sean. How we doing? Chill. I'm doing great. I'm just, you know, glad to be in the presence of someone with so much power in their social media game where, you know, you spread that Kevin Byard about him not getting the hand on a ball. He gets the interception. <laughs> You're always tweeting about the Jalen Hurts, never able to lose. He finds a way to win. And then, you know, well, you can save your Matt Canada talk for uh for for another podcast. But I know I know that everyone loves the the 400 yard tweet. So Sheila, you know, I, if anything, it's like, how are you to have all of that power? You know, I I think that that comes with the responsibility that, you know, you maybe maybe you need to keep that in check a bit. I do admittedly get obsessed when I feel like I have a good nugget like that Kevin Byard nugget. I was telling so long. I'm like, I said that it, it, like I would just be walking down the street telling like, all right, I said it on my WIP hits. I said it to you. I said it to EJ Smith. Uh, I think I said it on extra point taken with Solak. Again, people were very tired of hearing me give that. That's a, that was a good nugget. You know, if you have a good nugget, you can't keep it inside. You only get those every so often. And look what I did. I gave you a little reverse Kapadia curse. And Kevin Byard 
comes up with a fantastic interception that we'll talk about that helps you win that football game. All right, here's what we're going to do. Uh, I think we start with the Eagles defense this week, Sean, right? That was, I, I usually like to start with the more, I don't know if talked about, but like they were the reason more so than the offense that the Eagles won that game. So we'll talk about the Eagles defense versus the Chiefs offense, what we saw on film. Then we will get to the Eagles offense versus the Chiefs defense. And then it feels weird. It's like a short week and it's Thanksgiving week. It's like, yeah, they have the Bills coming to town, a very desperate Bills team uh, on Sunday. So it's just, we talked about this stretch before, game after game after game, there's no breaks. And so we will preview that Bills game. All right, let's start with the Eagles defense versus the Chiefs offense. As always, I like to start off with the numbers. Chiefs had 12 possessions. They scored two touchdowns and a field goal. So on nine of 12 possessions, you shut the Kansas City Chiefs out. Six punts, two turnovers, one turnover on downs. What I always like to do with these teams is like, well, how did it compare to their average game? Chill, talking to myself here. Uh, it was the Chiefs' second worst game in terms of EPA per drive this season. It was their fifth worst game in terms of success rate. It was below their league average in total yards. It was uh, just above their league average in terms of first downs. In terms of uh, Patrick Mahomes' box score, Sean, this is one that, like, I mean, you, you will... Now, it wasn't on Patrick Mahomes. We all watched the game, and we'll get to that. I thought Patrick Mahomes was very good in this game, but 24 for 43 for 177 yards. Like, Patrick Mahomes averaging 4.1 yards per attempt is not even within, like, my... I would have to go back and look at where uh, that ranks. So that is a feather in the Eagles' cap. Let's start with this. We've talked about Sean Desai, like, Probably more, maybe more than any other person, honestly, <laughs> since we started doing these podcasts, we wanted to see what's his game plan going to be. How's he going to approach defending Travis Kelsey, Sean Desai? What were some of the things that stood out to you on film when you said, all right, well, here is what, how Sean Desai came into this game. Here's what he was thinking. Here's what the Eagles plan was. It felt like Sean Desai went into this game with really two things in mind. First, Travis Kelsey is not going to be the one to win the game. And second, all of the other Chiefs receivers have not proven themselves enough to earn the respect of extra resources in coverage. Desai has shown us, you know, again and again to be really, really plan oriented. They're not going to be a team that just majors in one coverage. I love that it seems like they get to kind of 10% over like all the different coverages. And we talked about it actually during the bye week. They're not a heavy, we're going to send everyone at your team. That's not in the Fangio playbook. Like it, they, they do it very very sparingly. I mean, Desai comes out and runs cover zero like four or five times, which was more than I think they've run the whole entire year. That was really cool. And then I think Desai's been a little hesitant to run one double and a few different points during the season. I think smartly because that kind of undresses other spots in the coverage. We get that like six times as well. And, and just a great way to we're going to cancel out Travis Kelsey. We talked about, well, what are they going to do missing one of their linebackers in Nicobe Dean. We see that big dime package where you got four rushers, you only have one linebacker, you're getting that second linebacker off the field, get that third safety. It gives you a lot of versatility on the back end. I think it allowed them to not fully disguise their coverage, but they just had maybe a few less tells. And then, you know, your guy Kevin Byard, we get to spend a lot of time with him on Kelsey. So constantly changing coverages, not just being satisfied, sitting in one look. You get that extra flexibility. I mean, encouragement is encouraged is like the word of the season for me. I'm like, how can you not be encouraged by that performance? We'll talk about the second half, whatever in the second half, obviously. But just like plan specifics was really, really happy. I did not expect to see as much cover zero. <laughs> not that it worked every single time, but 
a defensive coordinator yeah. who so clearly is not just married to one thing. He's like, he is open to trying different things, put your players in different positions, put different players on the field. And overall, like this is clearly a game where, you know, you hire Sean decide to, to see how he matches up against the best quarterbacks. And even where Mahomes probably should have had a lot more yards than he did. You got to be happy with where the Eagles were on that plan. Yeah, I, I think Solak mentioned it after the game. You faced, you know, probably three like of the best offenses in the NFL. I would say, and again, this Chiefs offense is not what it usually is, but you look at every metric and it's like, okay, they're still between five and 10 in most of them. So you face the Dolphins, uh, the Cowboys, and the Chiefs. And in two of those three games, you held that offense under what that how that offense usually performs. And like, that's what you're going for. Again, I, I've been telling everyone who listens to this podcast, since the beginning of the summer, do not judge this Eagles defense based on their overall rankings this season. There are going to be ups and downs. There are going to be swings. They've had, what, 10 different starters in the secondary. You want to know, going into January, do you have a defensive coordinator who can come up with an opponent-specific game plan that gives you a chance? Like That's what you want. That's, that's what this whole season is about um, in terms of what you want to see from the defense. And I think so far you've seen that again, they're going to have bad games. They got lit up by Sam Howell. I mean, we watched Sam Howell last week, the commanders threw, had six turnovers. There's probably going to be more games like that. It could be this weekend. If you told me that Josh Allen and the bills came like when Josh Allen and the bills have their a game, they can score 35 on you. If you told me Eagles had a letdown game and Allen carved them up and we're talking next week, well, how do you, you know, they did well against the chiefs and they got lit up by the bills. I think those things are going to happen, but I'm with you. You know, I, I think two things uh, to steal your word. I'm encouraged by from this performance. One is I just like the unpredictability of this defense. You mentioned it, John. I think True Media had them down for seven snaps of cover zero, and I, I think most of the listeners know. But that's just you know zero blitz, all out. There's no safety. It's just one on one across the board. It's high risk. It's high reward. Typically not a great. Tactic against Patrick Mahomes, but you know what? You can't do one thing against Patrick Mahomes. So they break that out. Maybe that's something that the Chiefs were not expecting. Uh, and like you said, it's not like they you know shut him down every time he had completions against Cover Zero. But you're showing him something new. How about man coverage, Sean? Seventeen snaps of man coverage against this Chiefs uh, offense. Patrick Mahomes eight for fifteen for forty six yards against man coverage. Now again little misleading because you know if he completes so if the, if the receivers could catch the ball those numbers would look better but it's just another example that when you game plan for this Eagles team like it's going to take work like you're not just going to sit there on a Monday and Tuesday and be like all right you know these are their uh core coverages this is what they do this is what they like to do on third down this is like what they like to do in the red zone they do different things they do different things uh, based on the opponent. So that was one thing that I thought was really good. And the other one is what you mentioned about taking away Travis Kelsey. Like, it's very easy for me and you and I to say on a Wednesday, hey, you know, just take away this guy. Like, they got nothing. Obviously, it's not that easy, or Travis Kelsey would be getting shut down every week. And to be fair, yeah, we said that against the Cowboys, and CeeDee Lamb had, what, 191 yards. So it's it's like it's hard to do. It doesn't always work. But they do have a plan for doing that. And in this game, uh, that plan worked really well, where you saw two guys on Travis Kelsey in a bunch of high leverage situations where, you know, they were not just going to get roasted by him time after time. So I like that as well. So those were the two things that really, uh, really stood out to me. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was a good game plan. I think in the if you play that game out 10 times, are you holding them to 17 points every time? Probably not. But I think even if they scored like 24 
27, I think we'd be having a similar conversation. Like, I like the plan. You know, maybe you gave up some plays more than you did in that game, but I like the plan. So that that's kind of the overall thoughts we had uh, on the game plan. All right, let's talk about that second half. So second half, Sean, the Chiefs do not score a point. You shut out the Kansas City Chiefs in the second half. Now the question will become, well, how much credit do the Eagles deserve and how much credit uh, or how much just goes to the Chiefs just having mishap after mishap specifically with their wide receiver. So what did you see on in the second half and where do you kind of land uh, on the range of that question? I do think more of those one double and cover zero examples did come in the second half. I think they started that first drive. You see a, a man coverage look early, but to me, it, it wasn't that they were tweaking things a ton. And, you know, it's hard to think about, well, what's the balance? Do we give the Eagles defense credit? Is it just kind of like the Chiefs quote fault? I do think even if the Chiefs caught those passes, to me, it's still a great plan. And I don't think that he would have had this sort of aggressive plan if they weren't playing against a team like the Chiefs, where like those drops and those situations where the receiver and quarterback are miscommunicating, where the receiver breaks one way and the quarterback throws it to a different spot. I think that's sort of built into the plan. So you don't get to take advantage of that unless you, it's not that you're like, you don't ever want to leave a receiver wide open, right? The plan is not to let Marcus Valdez-Scantling like walk into the end zone, potentially untouched. That is not the plan. But those situations where Watson is kind of taken like a little bit of a funky release where he wants it a little different than Mahomes, like you don't get those unless you send pressure and are able to make them try and make it work. So where next week against the Bills, I think it's not a team where you're going to see the same sorts of things. Like I think they're better in a lot of those spots, especially at that number two and number three receiver position. So to me, I think like, even if like, <laughs> I mean, granted CD lamb almost had 200 yards. I still was okay with a lot of the plan in that way. Similarly, yeah. when you have a plan where, okay, we're really dedicated to one receiver. Now when the results work out in both situations, to me, the process is not like correct, but it's just like, it is partially fun to watch. And then also like it's sound, it makes a lot of sense. And I think it just put them in a good position to win. So, you know, I'll coin flip on that. If you want to blame the, you should blame the Chiefs offense in a lot of different ways, but you don't get those examples unless the Eagles play in a certain way because they could have just sat back in zone coverage the whole entire day. And then I think that gets more situations where receivers settle in open spots. Mahomes kind of tears you up that way. And then we would have been having a different conversation that I thought we were going to have, you know, about halfway, <coughs> halfway through that game. Yeah, I mean, so much of it is just a risk calculation. Like, what are, what are you willing to live with? I mean, I think if like MVS catches that ball, you're probably like, I mean, I'm sure we would have looked at it and said, all right, is that the right call and all that? But you probably would have been like, well, at least you made MVS make that play. And it wasn't Travis Kelsey with 11 catches for 171 yards. I think that's the one thing. If the Chiefs would have put up 30 and Travis Kelsey would have had 150 yards receiving, we would have been on here going like, all right, how do you let that happen? That's like, you can't let that happen uh, against the Chiefs. So I was trying to do it, you know me, I like to look at it a little like analytically. So I was actually trying to count the possessions here, Sean. So here's what I came up with. You let me know what you agree with, what you don't agree with here. So I said there were nine possessions uh, where the, the Chiefs did not score. Now, two of those, let's start with the first two, okay? Two red zone turnovers, like not going to happen uh, every week. At the same time, like those were not just, you know, a fumbled snap. I, you know, I think those were good plays by Eagles defenders. So uh, let's talk about the first one. Uh, so, so Kevin Byard, you're in the red zone. Uh, they get Justin Watson running kind of that uh, over route or crosser runs right past Zach Cunningham. I mean, you watch it on film and like you have to rewind to be like, how did this not end up a touchdown? I mean, he's wide open. Kevin Byard's playing the deep part of the field. He comes over 
and makes the play. What did you see uh, on that play in terms of like degree of difficulty for a, you know, a defender where I guess one is, I don't know, what's like the easiest, I don't even know what the easiest interception is <laughs> you could have. Let's say one is whatever the easiest interception you can have. 10 would be Jalen Carter's attempt to actually intercept the spike. That I think is probably highest degree of difficulty uh, for a defensive player. So uh, take us through that Bayard interception and what you saw there. Yeah, well, first, I'm just thinking, you know, B reporters, do you get to see Kevin Byard's locker? Like, is it just is it like a full picture of shield? Is it just the tweet? You know, kind of kind of what is it there? But yeah, it was a really good dartboard. It's probably a dartboard. He's like, <laughs> and maybe a little keep my name at your mouth. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, maybe something like that. Hey, you made it happen. Shield. Yeah, I thought that was a good example. You're in a kind of like a middle of the field closed. You know, your safety is in the middle of the field, the field there on the or in the red zone, certainly. And I like that you mentioned the route because it's a good example of the Chiefs where they're kind of like faking a crosser and then getting a little more vertical. It kind of looks like the route that the Bengals, uh, they were intercepted. Uh, ben Select did a great video on it against the Ravens. Not exactly the same thing, but a really good job by the offensive. Like your linebacker is not going to be able to keep up with this receiver in space. Now on the difficulty meter, I feel like every, like just like walking onto a football field is 10 out of 10. So, you know, I, I always want to give, especially the defensive guys credit. I I do think, you know, that's maybe not... Uh, Maybe not the best decision, maybe not the best throw, but I mean, I'm not here to take any credit. Yeah, it was not a great throw. I agree with that. Yeah, it it was it was not Mahomes' best throw. I think I think more often than not that, you know, against that coverage with that route and even that throw, I don't know. I think I I would say over 50 percent that probably ends up as a touchdown. I don't know. Is that wrong? Yeah, I think on the offensive. You agree with that? I hope so. Yeah, I think so. And I guess the, the bigger takeaway here is like. I guess Kendall, like I don't, I'm not sure if either of us expected Byard to be able to make that type of play based on what he's yeah. shown so far. So whatever the degree of difficulty is, to me that's like <laughs> a little bit of him out out kicking his coverage, you know, outperforming what maybe we expected from him. And you know, on the unfortunate part of that is now the expectations are just gonna gonna rise for Byard. Is it going to be two games in a row where he gets gets his hands on the ball? But I mean, just an awesome thing where you get two red zone turnovers like that is so backbreaking like as an offense overall you just you know you you get the ball all the way down there that's 14 points that come off the board in those situations i think we've talked at different points this year about you know, maybe the eagles turnover luck is gonna regress a little bit but i would agree i mean these aren't that wasn't exactly like the luckiest play like kevin byard is is being an adult there so i was really happy to see that because you know maybe you expect reed blankenship to be able to do that seeing byard able to do that and you know now, now you gotta think of another tweet to send Tej. uh sorry shield okay <laughs> mixing up co-hosts out here <laughs> uh and on the roby one you know the roby one is the i think he he was referencing the peanut punch i I think he's wearing uh, peanut tillman's number here in philadelphia i thought that was a great example of what you and i have have talked about and you are on board with the make the offense work and be methodical uh approach of defensive football and i'm like you know what? Fine. You do that sometimes, but sometimes you got to take it to them and live with a little risk. All these soft defensive coordinators, the new new age defensive coordinators. That was a great example of what you're talking about. If you, you know, rewatching that film, uh, rewatching that drive on film, it was like, there was a 12 play 65 yard drive. And think of all the stuff we're talking about with the chiefs wide receivers. Do they always, you know, run the, run the route? Are they on the same page with Mahomes? Like a, a high percentage of the time? No. Do they catch the make the plays that are available to them? No. Can their offensive tackles block your edge defenders at a consistent level without committing a turnover? No. And so, like, you add all these things up, and it's like you, you don't want to play like that all again, all game against Mahomes. You know, he can certainly string together drives, 
But that was one where it was like, all right, you know, make them play another play. Make them play another play. Make them play another play. They're in the red zone. Shoot, well, make them play another play. And all of a sudden, you have a guy on a Kelsey catch who makes the play that saves the drive. Now, it's not always going to happen, but that's why you play with that kind of philosophy because it's hard to get in the end zone when you're having to string together. You know, there's a penalty. Even on that drive, I think there were two penalties at least uh, by the Eagles. I think that was the slay. DPI and then Eli Ricks had a illegal contact unless I'm getting my drives mixed up. So uh, I just wanted to point that out because that really stood out to me. That was like a everybody who says force the offense to be methodical. Don't give up explosive plays at almost any cost. That's a great example of when that philosophy worked. Yeah, and I think they didn't just sit in that philosophy the whole entire game, which we right. talked about earlier. Like that's what something that's so great about Desai is it's not just we're going to sit and cover four. Like if you can constantly beat our flat defender, you're going to be able to walk down the field and then we're banking on a sack in the red zone. Like that is so clearly not the defense, which is awesome because being able to switch back and forth, I think that keeps the offense uneasy where, you know, of course the offense wants to have explosive plays. If you have Patrick Mahomes, you want to throw the ball, you know, through the roof. Josh Allen is certainly going to want to try and do that. So being able to change that up and you know, really responding to the game scenario is so big. If it's a team that is able to find their their way into the red zone, you know, maybe you're, you're going to have to live with that. The offense is going to be able to drive the ball, but to make those plays, it's just, it's so big. You know, I just hate to be the like, well, they keep on winning guy. And it's, it's easy to look at the defense and say, well, they, they came out with the victory. I do think the, as the, like the turnovers, you hopefully that the defense just kind of keeps on getting those. And, you know, like a lot of that is driven by pressure. Like you think about the Broncos defense, for example, like that's a team where it's like, well, you're not going to be able to get three turnovers every game for four weeks in a row, unless yeah. you're the Broncos, of course. But the Eagles, I think they're going to be able to continue to force, the, force those turnovers, particularly from you know that pressure element, I think, of anything. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a good point. So of the nine possessions where the Chiefs did not score, so you have two of those where I'm giving the Eagles credit on those two. You let them drive, but you made plays in the red zone. Again, it might not be something you can count on, but that wasn't like a you know self-inflicted thing by the Chiefs. I think you made those turnovers happen. So I'm giving them credit for those two. Uh, I counted four other legit stops by the defense where it wasn't like, hey, this drive ended because the Chiefs did something stupid. Like there were four other drives where I thought, you know what? The Eagles just had a good possession here. They stopped them. They forced them to punt. So now you're talking about six out of the nine where I give credit to the defense for. And then three of them, I think you can say we're on the Chiefs. One of them, I'm curious to hear what you think. I think one of them could go either way. So here are the three I had, uh, Sean. One was the Watson route, which I think might have been the one you're mentioning down the right sideline where like Andy Reid is like covering his mouth with the play sheet after like, no, 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 we had that where he kind of runs by James Bradbury. I think they're one-on-one -on, -one on the right side. Um, but uh, I think Patrick Mahomes, I believe, was expecting him, him to uh, keep it wide and uh, Watson is kind of cutting it. And I don't know if he's running like a post or what, but he's sort of breaking in a little bit and that ends up being an incompletion on third down. So if we now you could make the argument, that's like the type of things that that happens with NFL offenses. It's not like a blatant mistake. You know, that's going to happen once in a while. But if we want to put that one on the Chiefs, I'm fine with that. Uh, and then the other one, Watson in traffic, middle of the field, uh, you know, drops that pass. Where again, on film, you look at Mahomes, puts his hands on his helmet uh, right away after that one. Like, I can't believe we can we, we missed that one. And then, by the way, Andy Reid, game management, I know it gets lost because, listen, Mahomes makes up for a lot of stuff. But you're really going to punt? fourth and four 
from the Eagles 39, Andy, in a game like that? Come on, Andy. It's 2023. It's not 2002. Uh, so Andy Reid punts from the Eagles 30. We didn't mention that during the postgame pod. So I don't know if I missed that watching it live or what. But then when I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, I forgot that he did this. So that one I can say, all right, that's on the Chiefs. That's a drop that you would expect a good NFL receiver to make. And then, of course, the last one, uh, MVS on the final possession runs right past Bradley Rowe. We had as much separation maybe as you'll see uh, in an NFL game like that. I thought the throw was great by Mahomes. I guess there's some debate about, hey, maybe that catch was harder than people think. Maybe that throw was a little bit off. I don't know. I, I look at that and just like, sorry, my first reaction is the right reaction. So um, those were the three out of, again, nine. They had 12 possessions. They only had eight possessions in the Super Bowl. So this is like, this was, you had to stop them for much, many more times than you did in that Super Bowl. So I would put three on the Chiefs. I would give the Eagles credit for six of those. And last thing I'll point out before you could tell me if I'm uh, stupid or if you're on board with me, even if MVS catches that ball, Eagles get the ball back with 140 left and three timeouts. Like, I don't think that in the in the heat of the moment, I don't think I realized that. And then afterwards, I'm like, they still would have had, you know, certainly a chance to come back and string together a drive. All right. What do you think of that uh, analysis? Are you bored? Did you fall asleep? Did you walk away? Are you watching film of like another game right now because you, you were waiting for me to shut up? Or uh, what do you think? Michelle, I'm always locked in, but we'll, we'll work backwards there. Uh, I mean, as the ball was in the air to, to MVS, like literally before you even see MVS, the first thing my eyes went to was the clock. I was like, and I literally had the same thought. I was like, 140 left. You know, the offense is starting to pick it up a little bit. Like, I think they're going to be able to maybe score it to end the game. So I was like locked into, all right, they've already scored before the ball. Like you could even see kind of MVS in the picture. Now, you know, I do think it's hard, whatever, if you want to say the rain or anything. Like something that I think is you got to think about is like deep catches are a lot obviously on the quarterback but so much on the receiver too where you'll watch teams like the bears last year an example where ball is in the air and the receiver you know is not able to track it down where this year you get a different receiver in there and they come down with it i think the eagles really benefit from aj brown and Devontae smith who are incredible at this specific skill so i think you know maybe you get you get spoiled a little bit having it but you know every receiver is is not in that way. And then the possession before that, like the fourth down, that felt like Andy Reid recognizing that Jason Kelsey hasn't ever beaten the Chiefs. And, you know, it's Thanksgiving. Let's, you know, keep in that, in that giving spirit. That, I don't know. I, I, that's another thing where I feel like I'm really having my mind warped by watching the Eagles where it could be fourth and 16. And I'm like, no, just push the it from there. You know, you'll be able to get it. But like seeing how aggressive the Eagles are and like you have Patrick Mahomes, you just threw a play where a receiver was, I mean, I would say wide open and you can easily convert that like, man, that that is frustrating. I think if you're a Chiefs fan and that just going one further back that Watson throw like, yeah, you don't get to put a player in that position unless you maybe send some kind of pressure and make that. I will say, you know, Bradbury, I think at different points during the game uh, did not look his best. I think that a lot of times, you know, they kept him on the outside, maybe let him be more comfortable when they had Bayard on Kelsey in one way and Slay was working inside. But I think that's going to be something going forward but i mean you know i'm never up never a problem given the eagles defense credit i think that there are a lot of things that as you i i would say correctly pointed to that could could easily fall one way or the other again you know we don't have to play out that if the eagles get the ball back with 140 yeah. left and three timeouts great great management uh total aside like sumer like runs a model on just in-game coaching and like teams that burn timeouts particularly to avoid false starts it's usually just like a negative move for your team, like those five yards on most, like a first and 10 
are usually not as important as having your timeout later in the game. So it is lovely. Like a delay of game, like when the like yeah. when the play clocks want that kind of thing. Yeah, okay. and that that's like that took a long time, I think, for me to wrap my head around because like, oh, it's five yards. Like we can't give it up. Even sometimes on third and right. one, it makes more sense because like that timeout is huge when so many games just kind of come down to that end. So like if you see the clock running down and the team takes a false start or a delay game, like it's not the end of the world when you're able to to save that timeout. So just you know, Nick Sirianna was crazy fired yeah. up after the game. It was a good, good oh job by gosh. him, you know, at some points at least. Yeah. He, yeah, I just saw that video circulating of him yelling at you. He is like, I mean, he and Jalen Hurts, it's just, it's just like, <laughs> just a different personality. Like, I do wonder what Jalen Hurts thinks sometimes when he's like watching his coach act this wild uh, on the sideline. And he just, you know, as you wrote in your excellent piece on Jalen Hurts, um, you know, before this game, he just has the same look on his face. I mean, even on the sideline after, and we'll get to the offense after that AJ Brown interception and they're kind of go like, even when he's kind of going at it or letting someone go at it with him, he's just, like, he's always, what's it like to just always be in control of yourself like that? You know, everybody loses it once in a while. I wonder if there's any other aspects of his life where he, you know, he kind of loses it a little bit. He just seems like such a disciplined guy. <laughs> it's hard for me to wrap my head around. All right. Yeah, I agree. It, I mean, Hurts Hurts is so so fun to see, and like every single time the camera cuts to him on the sideline, jacket over him, which I love that. You know, that would be my look too. Like it could be seventy five degrees. You know, I'm going to wear that extra layer. Like we, I run cold. We cannot let ourselves be cold, especially on the sidelines. That would be I mean, what we would pay to get inside of Jalen Hurts' head. I mean, I, I really think the Philly beat reporters are so so good, and even that, you know, the main thing is the main thing. The standard is the standard. Those are the things you hear from Jalen Hurts, and a lot of times that's it. But hey, let's get him. Let's get him a Super Bowl MVP, maybe, and then yeah, maybe, maybe we get him to open up a little bit. There you go. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. A couple more things on the defense, and then we'll move over to the offensive side of the ball. This year, Fanduel's got something you'll really be thankful for because right now, new customers get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet. That's a hundred and fifty bucks. If your team wins with so many games going on, Thanksgiving is the perfect time to join. You know what my method is for Thanksgiving? Take all three underdogs. You know what? There's going to be a lot of people betting on these games. The square picks are going to be for the favorites. Two of the three underdogs are going to cover. Take two of the three, pocket some of that, and then, you know, maybe you put them, put that on the Dolphins on Friday. Listen, you can do whatever you want, but visit FanDuel.com slash Ringer Philly and fill up your plate with parlays and player props all weekend long. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 
37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. All right, we are back on the ringers, Philly special. Do you, do you have any Thanksgiving hot takes you need to unload before we, you know, uh, get to this? I, every, I feel like everybody has some kind of Thanksgiving take that is just like, you know, you're going to be asked this time a year, but maybe you don't. I don't know. What, what do you got? Uh, sure. Love that. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm not a hot takes guy. I like to, you know, I think there's a lot of sides to a lot of different things. Uh, I'm very thankful, you know, to have uh, a family and be around people where we're in a fortunate situation to have food and such. Uh, I personally think we should just pardon all the turkeys, like get them out of there. Like I'm a turkey is a dry bird guy. And I hear the response to that. Oh, you haven't had a turkey done right. My mom does like an amazing, like kind of like, like brown style turkey where it has like all these, <laughs> these spices and it is great. But even then, like, like why guys, like let's let the turkeys free, let them roam, keep them happy, keep them safe. Let's eat, you know, maybe a more juicy bird uh, on Thanksgiving. There you go. He, he's got a turkey. I'm trying to think what my, like, here's, you know, the potato, I feel like a potato should be crisp. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, all right, I'll eat. I'm not saying a mashed potato is terrible or even a baked potato is terrible, but like when I want a potato product, like why do we got like the crisp potato product is 20 times better than the soft potato product. Why do we do this to ourselves? We don't in the Capadia family. I'll tell you that right now. We got a place in town does amazing home fries. You know what I just did before this podcast, Sean? Went and picked up five orders. We'll reheat, reheat those boys in the uh, bad boys in the air fryer uh, tomorrow because we're going to have crisp potatoes in the Capote household as, uh, as long as I'm a part of this family. So I don't know. That might be my, my, hottest, uh, my hottest take there. Shea, there you I mean, you're, you're so clearly a veteran. I'm just proud that you already put the order in. Like I'm responsible for mm. pie duty for tomorrow. And candidly, you know, I, ha I have not purchased the pies yet. And it's um, <laughs> it's going to be rough uh, when I face the, the clear result looking at me when I go to the store. And there is indeed no pies because why would anyone wait until this this log? So send your send your thoughts and prayers for the pies and your potatoes. All right. Now, I was going to move on. But since you mentioned pies, I have to mention this uh, last one. So we order uh, pies. I think it's called Mana is the company. It's like a. All right. I don't, I can't remember the exact, uh, it's like a service organization. Basically, this is going to a good cause if you order your pies from them. However, you have to order way ahead of time. So I guess this happened. I don't really recall it. About three weeks ago, my wife, you know, we're on like a family thread and she's saying like, what do we think about the pie order? Is this enough? And like, I don't think I responded at the time, or maybe I said yes at the time. Then we get to, we get to like last week or, or even this week where I start thinking about Thanksgiving. I'm like, you know, what's our, we're making the list. What are we going to do? And she's like, yeah, we have this X amount of pies. And I go, that's it. 
Oh God, that, that was not good. He goes, what do you mean that's it? Oh, he talked about, I asked you about this three weeks ago and now you're giving me, uh, that's it. I'm like, I just don't know if that's going to be enough. <laughs> so you're in the Jalen Hurts there when you just got Nick Sirianni is what, is what it sounded like. Yeah, no, that, yeah. Gotta that, send yourself that, uh, a text message reminder, Shield. Like I, I wake I up in the middle of the night, send yourself a quick text message reminder. Don't delete it. Don't read it until, until you completed the task. But we'll get yeah, there. That was, uh, I, I do do that for most things. This one. Slip through the cracks. Listen, it was okay. We were able to order more pies. We're going to have plenty of pie yeah, available. I, I made right. one. <laughs> Finish up with the defense. Run defense. Uh, I don't know what you thought, Sean. It obviously first half gave up more rushing yards than they had in a game all season, uh, all season long. I thought Jordan Davis got pushed around a little bit. I'm not exactly sure what's going on with him because uh, I still see high level reps out of him. So it's like, I don't think he's injured because then you would think he couldn't get to those high level reps. Like I could show you three plays from this game where you go, wow, that was great from Jordan Davis. But then I could show you other ones where he's getting pushed around a little bit. So I don't know if it's a nagging injury. I don't know if it's conditioning. I don't know if we just give credit to the chiefs offense. And it wasn't just, I don't want to make it sound like it's just Jordan Davis. That was just one player that stood out. They had a couple reps where it looked to me and you might need to correct me on this because this might not be what happened, but it felt like their edge defenders got pinned inside uh, a little bit. One was Hassan Reddick, Another was Josh Sweat. Now, maybe that was the design of the defense there, but those runs bounced outside. And then I would say just from the linebackers, probably not their best game. Nicholas Morrow uh, kind of in the middle of some of those big runs. What did you see from their run defense in this game? Yeah, in the in the run game, I think early on they did want to play a lot of man coverage. Uh, obviously, Lockbyer on Kelsey, and that means you know the cornerbacks there, you know, saying like keep your eyes on your luggage. Like if the receiver runs across the field, you have to go chase that, and it's not your responsibility as a cornerback to decipher really in that situation. Obviously, you want to field runner pass, but like if the cornerback is locked in on the receiver, the receiver crack blocks now a linebacker or a safety. The receiver is able to take out two defenders without really doing anything, as opposed to when you see the Eagles play, you know, cover two to a side, you see Slayer Bradbury kind of in the flat there. So I do think they were the Chiefs were able to bounce the ball outside in a few different ways because, you know, the cornerbacks like your priority is obviously pass coverage. We want to make sure that Kelsey is taken care of. I think that's good. And she, we, we both know how much you love the the Chiefs interior offensive line. I don't think that, you know, the, the Eagles are going to have to go against or maybe in February, but hopefully don't have to go against another interior line. That is that good. And overall, I think the one of like the problems for me is like those spread to run looks. So if you're in shotgun, you're in two receivers to either side. The Chiefs did a good job, you know, expand the linebacker in some way, whether it's motion or whether it's, you know, formation or alignment, get that linebacker outside the box. And now the Chiefs are able to run inside. That's something that to me is a little concerning just because the Bills are going to do a ton of that. And I think they, even if their offensive line isn't as good, they're like a little have more variety there. But I think overall, like the Chiefs are a great offensive line. The one example I did want to talk about that I think it's like 1044 left in the first that Pacheco big run like that specific example. I think that they're in like a defense where it's called Penny Bandit. So Penny's the front Bandit is the pressure path where the middle linebacker is kind of like blitzing one of the A gaps and the nose goes away from it. And then both edge defenders are kind of like like soft drop back players where they're kind of reading the running back a little bit. So like it. Yeah, like the guy gets pinned inside. That is partially due to like his responsibility in that situation. It's like, gotcha. I would probably, you know, it's more of a pass defense. And you know, you know I've been wrong before. I've, I've, I called you the wrong name today. Like I, I will be wrong again. But to <laughs> me, that's an example of, hey, this defense is clearly trying to do certain things against the pass game. Puts you in a, a less than stellar situation. Cornerback gets pinned inside too because they're following in-man coverage. So like people are doing their assignments, but like 
a team is, is able to kind of spread to run. So I think it, hopefully it's different against the Bills where, you know, I would expect probably a lot more zone coverage, I think, from the Eagles overall. And that maybe allows you to have, you know, your cornerback as your edge piece and the, the ball rolls out to them as opposed to just the ball rolling out to open space. No, I'm glad you pointed that out because I, I watched that and I'm like, oh, you know, did Hassan Reddick just get nosy here and, you know, try to make a play and then he gets pinned inside and now it's a 24 yard run. But you know, maybe he's just doing exactly what he's supposed to do within that call. And sometimes the offense gets you and uh, Fletcher Cox thought he got held on that play. If he doesn't get held, maybe he makes the play closer uh, to the line of scrimmage. So obviously always a lot of things to keep an eye on there. All right. Uh, last things with the defense. Um, individual performances. I think we both thought Milton Williams was excellent in this game before he suffered an injury. Jalen Carter, I mean, he is fun to watch on film. I, I don't know if you saw, uh, I don't can't remember if I sent this play or added it to our spreadsheet. There was a play he was lined up against Donovan Smith and Donovan Smith like had him on the ground and you're like, oh, wow, big win for, you know, Chiefs. Uh, Jalen Carter gets up and just tosses him. I was like, oh my God. So Jalen Carter, I, I don't know that Jalen Carter was billed as like a high motor, high energy player. You know what I mean? Like there was so much noise around it and a lot of it fair, don't get me wrong, especially the off-field stuff. But then there was the stuff about like his practice habits. When he is on the field for a game, I don't know that anybody on the Eagles plays like harder than he does snapping. I'm not saying he wins every snap, but man, once that, like once the ball snapped, until the whistle blows, there was another play. I think it was a pat. I don't know if it was a, a check down to the flat or what, but he's hustling downfield. He makes the tackle and has just this like violent, like punch at the ball where I'm like, how does any human being not lose the ball when Jalen Carter's doing that too? So uh, he continues to be very fun on film. Every, everybody saw the, you know, trying to intercept the spike. Uh, spike football there at the end, which is just like hilarious. I I don't know if you cut this done on film, like the the two Chiefs guards after he does that, their look is just like, are you are you serious? They're just, they just stand there and they're staring at Jalen Carter, like what um, is happening here? So those were a few of the things that stood out to me. Yeah, I think I, the first thing I thought of when I saw the Carter trying to get the spike was I was just picturing like how many times did Chill replay this how many times do you think you know maybe you could get it and i think it, i don't know if you remember i think it's fletcher cox that kind of like bumps him a little bit it seems like you know maybe fletcher's trying to do it a little bit too and i'm like hey like let's let carter get it when you have fletcher cox do that beautiful that artistic kind of jump over the offensive line oh where jalen carter gosh, how graceful bumps through a guy i mean we forget how incredible athletes they are but yeah carter like 100%. full on yeah full on game wrecker i think we've we're really happy that he plays for the eagles and something that i don't think it's a small thing but like when defensive linemen track down screens, that's like the easiest example of, okay, this player is hustling. Like if I wait as much as some of those guys and they threw like an, an like exterior screen to a receiver that is probably just trying to get upfield, I don't know how many times I'm chasing that down fully. And you make a good point about Jalen Carter punch, trying to punch the ball out. I think you had a punch out earlier in the year and, you know, we're going to get one of those again because when you have yeah. like a real claw like that that Jalen Carter has, it's going to be... <laughs> It's going to be something, you know, that is that is really good for the defense. But yeah, I think Williams, I think he ended up getting injured. Hopefully he gets healthy. Just like we just keep on looking at Eagles defensive linemen and they keep popping. So I like I, I've said it how many times, like what's going on in the water there? Maybe it's the pies. Maybe it's it's something else. But I know that like Fletcher Cox talks about how much they order Popeyes. Maybe it's the Popeyes, too. So just whatever's going on in that defensive line room, like let's put it in a bottle and I don't know, send it to a National Museum or something. 
to your point about chasing down screens, I think if I were like an agent for one of these guys, I'd be like, dude, 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 nah, chill there, catch your breath, wait for the next pass rushing opportunity. We're not getting the contract because we chase down a screen. We're going to, it's like, you know, when they're telling my daughter to bunt, like we're not, <laughs> not going anywhere bunting. Like, what are you crazy? No one ever, you know, no one ever scouted a player and said he could bunt, you know, let's, let's. Give him a give him a scholarship or uh, you know sign him to a big contract. So listen, you got to think about those. The jail car, you do what you need to do. I'm telling you, if I were your agent, that might be a little bit. That's that's a little window into my brain. Sean probably doesn't agree there. All right, other personnel stuff. Uh, Bradley Roby played 43 of 74 snaps. You mentioned the big dime. Hey, we were all over that, right? We talked about that last week. That's one we can uh, we can puff our chests out a little bit. Sydney Brown comes in 25 snaps. And they're playing this big dime, which is just three safeties, three cornerbacks. What was kind of interesting there, Sean, was that uh, it was Sidney Brown and Reed Blankenship in the back half. And Kevin Byard was kind of like that that underneath defender. That that surprised me uh, at least a little bit. Yeah, I think their plan had to be like, all right, well, we need Byard on Kelsey. We feel better about that matchup as right. opposed to Brown on Kelsey, which, you know, I'm, I mean, hey, it worked. So like, I'm, I think I... I'm comfortable with that. And to me, that's like, okay, whatever we heard about the preseason about Bradbury maybe working inside. Now they're thinking of of Bayard on that, you know, if you're getting a, a bigger body there. And yeah, it gives you a different answer in different ways. I I, mean, I love seeing that, like that set, whatever the kind of efficacy or however good it is going forward, we'll, we'll see. And I even on that play where, you know, MBS has that drop, like they're doubling Kelsey and then it's Brown where like you would think, okay, one double, he's going to cover deep middle of the field. I don't know if he was like ended up being a spy on Mahomes, so he's coming down because it looks like it looks like funky. It looks like it's a triple team on Kelsey. I'm not sure if like if that's the wrong call or, or I'm just kind of interpreting it wrong. Like I don't know, you know how comfortable how comfortable you feel with Brown, you know, covering the deep half. But hey, we got a, we got him a bunch of a bunch of reps on tape. That's just a positive that Desai keeps on doing. Where you know we're rotating bodies in different places. You know we're just <laughs> putting all the pieces together. And Desai strikes me as a guy that would moneyball little league and bunt. Uh, you know, with with one out and a runner on uh, first and second. Come on, show them. Uh, you know, I buy here. I hear you. But yeah, that was just no, about like the big dime. Need more of it. Yeah. No, Desai would like would would like bunt the cleanup hitter. Like he would want to do something on. They'll never see this coming. Bryce uh, Harper like, drag bunt. You know, that's what that's what you want to yeah, see. And that's what listen, that's what the fans that, are paying for. And if that cleanup hitter was my child, I would say, just pretend you didn't get the signal. Swing away. Okay? <laughs> we don't need to be doing that. All right. Uh, so that's the, uh, that's the defense. I think we got there. I thought the pass rush was better on film than I did live. Like there were a lot of plays where Mahomes had to scramble or move. Not that they won every rep, but um, they definitely impacted the game. And it seems like every Eagles win we talk about, someone makes a big play on the final possession. In this game, it was Josh Sweat forces the intentional grounding there. All right. Let's move over to the side of the ball that maybe wasn't as pretty. Eagles offense versus Chiefs defense. 11 offensive possessions. Eagles score three touchdowns, have one turnover, and they punt seven times. Just 16 first downs and 238 yards. Those are both season lows based on success rate. Their second worst game of the season based on EPA per drive. Their third worst game of the season. So really by any metric you want to look at, this was not a, a smooth uh, offensive performance, which you don't need me to give you numbers for that. You watched the game. Jalen Hurts, 14 for 22, 150 yards, was sacked five times. His second worst success rate of the season, his worst performance in terms of EPA per pass play. Uh, now overall, if you're saying Shield stopped being so negative, they won the game. Eagles are fifth in EPA per drive on offense. 
fifth in success rate, sixth in DVOA, fourth in points per game. Top five, top six offense by any metric you want to look at. All right. Bags is playing. When you turned it on, it is a fun defense to watch. Like they're another way. They're they're doing stuff, you know. They're, Spags is not just sitting back. Oh, let's make them, you know. No, he, they are doing stuff. So what's? I know there were a couple things that stood out to you. Actually, you have them in the notes. So let's go. Let's go through these one by one. The first one I wanted to talk about uh, creepers. I believe I don't know. Is this a new term, Sean? Has this been around for ten years, or did people just do it? I'll explain what it is in a second. But is is this new, or is it just new to me this year? Because I've not talked about creepers previously in my football analysis yeah so like football terminology i think i've said it before it's just the worst like it is it is so bad because you can say the same word it means three different things to three different people some people will use simulator pressure some people will use simulators as it and like like this specific kind of thing has existed like like um rex ryan was really really big on it fig fangio kind of took it from there like so it's, it's not like oh this is a new thing but i think it's it's used in ways to kind of like mess with modern offenses in different ways and sure i just can't wait to you know i know how much you love offensive line play so i can't wait to dig into some pass protection <laughs> yeah so this i mean so okay so a creeper listen if you're sitting around thanksgiving with the family you know maybe listen maybe you're uh maybe you're dating someone or maybe you want to pray and you're saying and you're watching the game and you want to point something out prove your maybe it's like a maybe it's a future mother or father-in-law and you want to prove to them that you know what you're talking about with the x's and o's in football Here's my understanding of what creepers are, and Sean can obviously correct me if I'm wrong. So simulated pressures. We've talked about those before on this podcast. That's when you have four, only four people rushing, but the offense doesn't know which four people are rushing. So, you know, we talked about it with, I think, Brian Flores, but you could have six guys at the line of scrimmage, and maybe, you know, a defensive tackle is dropping back and an off-ball linebacker is rushing. So it's not a blitz in terms of, hey, you're rushing more than four at the quarterback. But you're just kind of, you know, Jim Johnson, I think, used to call it the illusion of pressure. I know John Harbaugh uh, has taken that from him. So it's you're rushing for, but you're making the offense confused. You're messing with their protections. They don't know which four are coming. So that's a simulated pressure. My understanding of creepers is it's very similar, except you're in like a normal front. And it's usually, uh, I don't know if it has to be a deep, does it have to be a defensive back? To be labeled a creeper? Is there uh, no, is so there agreement on this? No. Okay. It would just be non-traditional rushers. So uh, linebacker, gotcha. safety, corner, whatever. Any like back that. seven. Yeah. Any back seven players. So, okay. So you're still rushing four, but again, you don't know where it's coming from. It could be a slot corner. It could be a safety. It could be an off-ball linebacker, but you're not showing it basically at all before the snap. So in this game, Sean, uh, this was fun going back with you on the spreadsheet because we're just like, the Chiefs did it again. Oh my God, the Chiefs did it again here. Oh my God, this sack's all. They had three sacks in the first half based off of the exact same pressure package where they brought a slot corner as kind of the fourth pass rusher on one side. So you have the, the slot corner on the left. He rushes the defensive end on the right. He drops back into coverage. Jalen Hurts has nowhere to go with the football. Eagles don't handle it well from a protection standpoint. A sack, again, three sacks in the first half based on this exact same pressure. I think they were on two consecutive possessions, if memory serves me correctly. So uh, what did you see from that? Uh, what can we learn about pass protection with that? What can the Eagles do differently next time? Because uh, I would think another defense would be like, hey, that worked pretty well for the Chiefs. Let's go ahead and try that as well. Yeah, I think this one is an awesome one to kind of break down. Like we're at, I think, minute 45 in the podcast. If anyone needs to take take your walk, this is your time because it, it's pass protection corner. I uh, just like I think because I think the way to defend it, you have to think about, well, what what is like a regular protection? So 
the most common pass protection you'll see is called jet protection or half slide, where the center, the guard, and the tackle to one side are sliding away. And then the backside, those two offensive linemen are kind of locked in like a two-on-two man type deal. Then you have the running back usually working to that side, kind of just dealing with second level, whatever is presented there. So again, at the high level, our center, our guard, and our tackle slide one way. Away from that, locked in man, running back working that way as well. As like the base rule, the slide slide usually works to the weak, whatever is like noted as the weak side linebacker. Your running back reads that inside middle linebacker to the strong side linebacker or the nickel really inside out from the center away from the center slide. But you can also guarantee that you slide to a particular defensive lineman like Chris Jones, we saw with Aaron Donald, uh, just based on your call. So now just going a little bit more granular. So you'll either get two jet or three jet or 200 or 300 in the kind of three-step shorter dropback series where the two just means that the call is to the right side. Three means call is to the left side as we see shield just slowly falling asleep here. But just think evens to the right side, odds to the left side. So the center and the half slide slide is away from the call. So if you're in two jet protection, remember two is the right. Our center left guard, left tackler sliding to the left in two jet, our right guard and right tackle kind of locked in man with the running back read to that side. So those are kind of like pass pro basics. There's a lot, I think a lot more nuance in there. Sheila, you're still awake. Do you feel safe? Do you feel protected? Obviously no one wants any creepers at Thanksgiving on the defensive end or obviously in any part, but like, do you feel like half side protection is the way to go here now? I mean, I can't wait to just like, you know, message Brandon Thorne, just this, uh, you know, Hey, listen, we're on your corner. Uh, a little bit here with your wonderful uh, offensive line analysis. No, I, I think I get the, yeah, I think I get the basics of it. I mean, listen, you're going three, one side, you're going to the other side, the two side, that's going to be man to man. It's you two against uh, usually two pass rushers. So I think that's the basics of it. Well, Shield, I mean, I wish I could have said it that succinctly. That was beautiful. So yeah. The, the, <laughs> the problem is like defenses, they really, really know how to manipulate those protections. And you know that's true when you have Chris Jones, because you know, the offense wants to, rightfully in my mind, slide that way, get Jason Kelsey over there. So Chiefs ran, you said this one pressure path, four times, get three sacks. Just thinking about your slide side, right? So we said center, guard, tackle, sliding one way, you're handling your three on three. What the Chiefs do that I love is they'll have Chandler Jones, or or, yeah, Jones at that defensive tackle spot. They're running a TE stunt. So he's like attacking the tackle and then the defensive end loops inside. So that really fully occupies the offensive tackle because you got you know, number five, number 95, Chris Jones, what am I missing here? Attacking them. And then they send that nickel off the edge, drop the defensive away, end away, stay in those two high coverages. You're sending only four total rushers, three to a side that we theoretically said that we were comfortable with, but they're still able to cause those communication issues, get a free rusher at one point, get that sack fumble. So hopefully we all made it through pass protection corner, just like a great example by the Chiefs. They love that concept. It's great to take advantage of Jones in that way. And the Eagles were had, had headaches of it. I think maybe until that last rep of them doing it. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was very very effective. Yeah, using using Chris Jones, using a stun, and then bringing the slot corner uh, also off the edge. I mean, it gave them all kinds of issues. Like watching it live, I'm going, oh man, Jalen Hurts is. I thought he was like confused, you know, by what he's seeing. Like the I thought, that, hey, the Chiefs must be doing a great job of disguising coverages, and he's just like flustered. I mean. 
he basically had no shot on those, right? Like, I don't know. That that was my takeaway from it. It wasn't like, you know, Hurt should have done something differently here. It was like, they didn't block that up well. There's nobody open. He's trying to make something happen, rightfully so. And he ends up taking a sack. Am I remembering that like correctly? He, he was basically, you know, he, he was pretty much beat there unless he could just create something. Yeah, it was it was it was kind of rough to watch. I thought it was a, it was a great job by the Chiefs. You know, the the well, like one time they're like I think maybe the first time like the back ends up working over there, so you end up having four over three. But again, the defense has really sound pass coverage, having seven defenders there. And if your running back has to stay in, now you're running four routes at seven defenders. That's really hard. The second time the back releases, you know that's that's part of the plan. Nickel ends up a free runner. The third time Jones uh, Chris Jones is able to knife inside. The fourth time. <laughs> I thought they did a decent job with it where like Kelsey and Dickerson really aggressively get on Chris Jones. And then Jurgens actually from the backside ends up helping, takes that looper. And then Milata can kind of bump out to that nickel. But just like such a headache. I will say overall, like glad that I think all five sacks were in the first half. You don't get any of those in the second half, partially thanks to, you know, you know, the, the screen of the week, of course. But just like a, a headache that the Chiefs will continue to run. Like McDuffie is is so, so good and such a unique player that. Uh, like I don't think other teams like are able to execute at it because they don't have guys like Chris Jones and McDuffie in that spot. Yeah, so, something to at least uh, keep an eye on if teams uh, try to do it to mess with the Eagles' protection there. But man, they got a lot of reps in that game uh, about it. So if I know uh, Jeff Stoutland, I think they will be focusing on. Hey, if this happens next time, we're not giving up those three sacks. All right. So that was one thing. That was really a big thing that. Bags did. I mean, I know it sounds so simple, but like three plays, three sacks. We've talked about it before. Those sacks are drive killers. And that's a lot of what was happening in the first half uh, of that game. So there you go. If you see a a four-man pressure in like, uh, what's the middle game? Cowboys commanders. And, you know, just four. And one of them's the slot or the safety. Just start yelling creepers. See what the rest of your family does. You know, they, they might be confused, but that's not your problem. They should be listening to the Ringers Philly special. All right. The next thing I wanted to ask you about, this was very interesting to me because this is one of those things that sometimes there are things that like football analysis points out. And I'm like, that sounds so simple. Like why doesn't every team do this? And this was one of those, you know, you mentioned Eagles have the silent count, right? So the guard uh, is looking back, the guard is tapping Kelsey and then Kelsey is snapping the football. It, it was a loud environment at Arrowhead stadium. So what the chiefs would do is they see that too. They would wait for that to happen. And then right before it happens, they are shifting. And all of a sudden, their defensive line shifts and your pass protection rules or your blocking rules uh, for a run play right before the snap, they don't apply anymore because the defenders are in different gaps. So when you were sharing that on the spreadsheet and then I'm watching it on film going, oh, that's pretty cool. I was going, why wouldn't every home team with a noise advantage or the opponent has to do a silent count do this? So uh, explain how that works. And also, why doesn't every team do this? Yeah, that that was a super cool one to kind of kind of go through. Like as you said, right guard in the Eagles example looks to the back, back to the quarterback will tap Kelsey, and I think that's smart because like some teams will have Kel- like their center look down, but Kelsey like he handles so much up front, so he needs to really have kind of his eyes up really through the whole entire thing. And I think maybe part of the problem there is the Eagles they had a lot of snaps where you know that clock is running down three, two, one. So the Chiefs mm. knew exactly when the snap was going to happen because you know it has to happen at one or, or really at zero at that point. So that lets them disguise things. So I think that one maybe reason you don't see it all the time is because first of all, you know, every stadium is not beautiful Lincoln Financial Field or obviously Arrowhead where you're able to have like a crazy, crazy noise advantage. Like I thought it was clear in the first half that the Eagles up front, like they struggle with communication 
And part of that 100%. is because of, yeah, because of that like Latin environment. So one thing is that, and then like how the Eagles use the fake snap count against the Dolphins to kind of get things shown. Maybe one response is, hey, let's just get to the line and we are like, we are running our play quickly. So then you can maybe be caught at a position at time. So I don't know. I hope to see, I don't know. We talked about it once before this year. I'm not sure if it was the Eagles used it or if another team had used it, but like it, it's, just, it's such like a cool little thing that, yeah, I agree. Like let's, let's see teams use it more. I'm, I, I'm glad that the Eagles get this game where it ends up in a win where you are in like the, I would imagine probably the loudest environment that they have. Maybe, you know, uh, Cowboy Stadium will get a little crazy. Uh, I'll, I'll talk to the people in Dallas and I don't know, maybe tell them to do something else on that particular day. But like that's so based in like home field advantage. I think like numbers have shown like it means a little bit less than maybe we think, but like there are still those clear things in a place like Kansas City. It's it's so funny that the this very complicated game a very simple thing is like do you know when the ball's going to be snapped or not like I think of all the stuff that goes back and forth you just mentioned it it could be Thailand count it could be what Kelsey did um, in that previous uh, game with the quick snap it could be like you mentioned Hertz with the dummy calls at the low got the defense to show their thing and now we're going to snap it after so like so much of that just goes into like. Does the defense know when the ball's going to be snapped? Is the offense going to do something to mess with the defense, knowing when the ball's going to be snapped? And then what that leads to. So you definitely saw that in this game. Uh, one other thing you mentioned, which I thought was interesting, is you were saying that maybe Spags had a little bit of a, of a sense of, hey, when we show them X, we know they're going to do Y, and then we can get into Z, basically knowing you know what their checks are. Hey, when we show this, they always do this, so then we can adjust. Um, any example of that that kind of uh, kind of stands out to you? Yeah, I think you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm overrating a little bit. Maybe I'm just like dissatisfied okay. with some of the the quarterback draws. I do think there was that example. Uh, I think it was maybe a little later in the game. It was one that you were not particularly happy with, where like you get into a five down front up front on the defensive line. It looks like you have no linebackers, and you know the Eagles love to get into quarterback draws. In those situations, I think against the Dolphins, they did something similar where the Dolphins did a good job against an empty look, like let's spread our linebackers out before we send them. And then uh, the safety for the Chiefs ends up, you know, he ends up covering the running back or that's, I would imagine his responsibility is there, but he's coming downhill. So it's, it's like a box that makes you think, you know, like primetime quarterback draw, let's go ahead and get after it. But then you have a safety kind of entering that spot. So I know, and then on that like screen where the nickel is off the edge, where that's a scenario where, you know, the Eagles really, really like to do that. So those like small kind of formation tendencies and the Eagles love to obviously have that kind of three receiver side bubble screen attached to it. The defense can, you know, like make a play on those sorts of things. So, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm just like dissatisfied with some of the quarterback draws, but also there's was, there was yeah. a lot of good, a lot of good quarterback run game. I know that you particularly shield were not happy with at least one quarterback draw during the game maybe maybe that was just you know the bullets are flying things things are getting hot online uh you're concerned with your your loss of the kevin byard streak uh and everything like that <laughs> yeah let's get to hertz and the play call i mean i, I blame solak for this he's always like well you don't why don't you i checked your twitter on a sunday and you didn't tweet I'm like i'm watching all the kids but this is a standalone game on a monday night there's a lot of things happening i felt like i could fire off some takes but you know what i immediately regretted it because i'm ripping them for a qb draw on third and seven and then third and five in the red zone they run a qb draw and it scores a touchdown you know what thank you to the audience because no one at least that i saw probably some of you did maybe i muted you no one then tweeted at me like oh you didn't rip that one huh she only scored a touchdown that was how i was feeling in the moment so what do you want from me all right hurts in the play calling let's get to it um, I think watching live again, I felt like, oh man, Hertz is flustered. Hertz is bailing from the pocket on film. 
I didn't feel the same way. I felt like he, when he bailed, it was like he had to bail. Now, not every time. There was always going to be some examples. I think one that we agreed on was there was a throwaway versus a cover zero where he definitely could have hung in there and would have had uh, A.J. Brown. But instead, I think he scrambled to his right and threw it away. Um, but uh, I thought for the most part, it was just like it, it wasn't a Hurts thing necessarily. It was kind of like a, they, you know, the, the Chiefs defense had you, uh, you know, in, in tough spots for most of this game. So I didn't think that was on the quarterback. I'm not telling you this was his best game. Obviously it wasn't, but I think it was more of a result of the offense rather than man hurts had a bad game and everyone else was doing their job. What was your kind of sense of it? Well, sure. I wrote that article, you know, hurts was playing like an MVP again last week. And I have to tell you, mm-hmm. you know, at, at the first half, I'm getting texts from all sorts of people, unsavory <laughs> things about, you know, you jinxed him. You know, he's clearly not playing like an MVP. All I will say is, I mean, I, I, I I'm proud of what was put out in the article. I think, you know, now Hertz's MVP odds are actually first. So, you know, whatever, whatever Kabaddi occurs, hopefully it doesn't kind of kind of carry over. Uh, obviously, love to learn things from you, but maybe we'll we'll keep that one separate. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, of course, you're going to be frustrated by, I think, the offense as a whole in this game. And one of the first things to look at is, well, they're not driving the ball down the field that much, uh, like throwing deep passes. He had, I think, like a 25th percentile average depth of target. And I think that makes sense in this game against a Chiefs team that is, just like I mean, like five sacks in the first half. Like you, I would love to see. Yeah, let's throw the ball downfield to AJ Brown. But even on like an example where they're trying to get, it's like AJ Brown is kind of covering space for Devontae Smith to work over the top of that. That ends in a sack too. So we can't get to some of those downfield concepts. And I mean, Chiefs defense is obviously like one of the top, probably like really five units in the league. And you never want to feel like okay, we just got bullied by this team. Yeah. But like on on TV copy, I feel like. I mean, now, Sheila, I'm getting to the point where I'm like complaining about flags that are going against the Eagles. I'm in too deep, trying to keep an, an objective eye on this. But yeah, like on, on TV copy, I felt off. Like I was like, oh man, this is like, this is such a problem. But then I think when you go back, like to be positive, there are a bunch of designs like outside of just Jalen Hurts that I really like. There's the, I think the RPOs are, are getting really fun. They use that orbit motion now that makes it cooler. They have that like slant flat wheel the Dolphins play from last year. They use same side pin and pull quarterback counter swift touchdown run with aj brown tucked inside where he kind of runs a slide route against dallas now it looks a little different i'm in middle screen like are we getting middle screen tattoos is is brian johnson getting middle screen tattoos that's what what they really love that jet sweep to swift so pulling it apart you get like okay these are plays that you like like i was happy with individual designs maybe you know if you have issues about like the sequencing or like the the drive where hurts they were on their kind of own five yard line I mean, that is like uninspiring to watch. I get it. But I want to stand up for, I guess, you know, like running all those screens in a game where, yeah, Hertz was getting pressured constantly. It wasn't a game where you felt like, you know, we can sit back there for four seconds and go ahead, you know, and launch that ball 50 yards. Yeah, I th- it really did feel like that's what happened. Like they had that first half. You're like, man, this is the worst we've played in a long time. Let's, you know, I, I don't even know if conservative or safe is the right word, but they're basically like the priority was we cannot let that what happened in the first half happen in the second half. And so I think that led to a lot of obviously a lot of screens. Everyone watching the game, you have, you know, the one possession where it's a screen to Devontae Smith on the left. A.J. Brown doesn't get the block. He gets blown up. I mean, that could have been ugly. That really like if he catches that and then gets hit, that's, you know, could be a fumble. That could be a defensive touchdown. And they come back on the very next play. I think that one of those was an RPO uh, and they throw a screen to Julio Jones 
on the right side, one that you typically maybe see them throw to Dallas Goddard as they're trying to replace him. Um, and that gets blown up. So I understand if you're, uh, you know, if you're a fan and you're frustrated by that, I was just frustrated watching it. I'm like, what is going on here? But I think that was the reasoning behind why they did it. Now, then you have the middle screens to DeAndre Swift, which kind of saved them. You know, they, they ran, I think, three times. Um, and one of them, you get a 20-yard uh, completion out of it. So those two touchdown drives they had in the second half, DeAndre Swift had a play of 20-plus yards on each of them. They had the jet sweep, which we talked about after the Cowboys game. Hey, jet sweep to DeAndre Swift. That was a 20-yard gain. That was nice. Well, they come back. They do it in this game. 35-yard run by DeAndre Swift. I mean, I thought that might was like one of the biggest plays of the game. They had like nothing up to that point. I think they're down 17-7. That finally gave them uh, a little bit of energy, a little bit of juice. And like, was it, it was blocked nice, but man, DeAndre Swift is creating on a lot of these. Like he is getting additional yards where if you say average running back, does it go for this many yards? Um, I would say no. So yeah, that was nice. The RPO that Sean's talking about, this is like the Dolphins go-to play going back to, uh, last year. It's a, it's a slant with a flat and a wheel. We talked about it before they played them. And so that was cool. That was like a bye week Oh, okay. All right. They spent part of the bye week looking at this and installing this and saying, Hey, let's go steal that. So that's something, um, to keep an eye on here going forward. Uh, Jalen hurts was a part of the run game. We talked about that coming in. Is he going to be healthy enough to do that? Yes. He was a big part uh, of their run game. So that is encouraging to see. They had that third and five, Sean, right? The, the third and five to Devonte Smith which was a nice concept. I know you mentioned kind of similar to what they've run previously um, in the season. That was a big-time conversion in a big-time spot uh, for them there. Yeah, you know, I get nervous when Jalen Hurts is like kind of listing lazily to his left a little bit. I feel like we see that a lot. We saw that in the last play for the Jets game. I don't know why. That's just like, I'm like, oh no, something bad's going to happen. But yeah, that was a great example where they scored a touchdown against the Jets and they used it uh, in another example where I think it was, it was the sack fumble against the Dolphins where like DeAndre Swift is running that route. Now on that, it was pretty cool. Like the Chiefs do their like double-double where they're double teaming AJ Brown on one side. They're double teaming kind of Devontae Smith to the other side. And you have from a bunch, you know, that point man or, or one player is able to clear out space. Your inside guy, you know, almost like we're running a choice route. We're going to go ahead and break inside. And that was like, yeah, at a huge, huge point in the game where like the, I imagine that every, everyone's stresses were just so high. But I, I feel like, I mean, I'm always, chill, I'm always proud when we do the podcast together. I feel like proud that we have constantly stuck behind DeAndre Swift. I'm not sure if like the, the jury's ever been out on him, but I just think like every single week, no matter what's happened in the numbers, even around a fumble, like he has been to me really consistent in a way that I don't know, it probably surprises Howie Roseman too, like in terms of what has happened. Like you, I don't think you write the book about the Eagles through this nine and one record without what DeAndre Swift has done for that team. And he is like so, so clearly seen as a weapon so that is lovely when you don't have dallas goddard to work over the middle areas of the field because the chiefs ran that sort of screen in the same way with dallas goddard against the chiefs in the super bowl how many times I think there was one time where poor goddard like slipped on the amazing yeah grass, that was a big uh, play field. if he didn't slip there that would have been a big play in the super bowl you're right i forgot about that they ran that same middle screen to goddard uh, in the Super Bowl, and he slips, and it ends up being an incompletion. I'm with you. I was actually, uh, you're welcome, Eagles fans, because I was going to tweet about DeAndre Swift during this game about how good he's been all season. But I said, you know what? I'm just going to keep that one in the back pocket uh, for now, because if I tweet that out, next thing you know, he's going to fumble uh, here. All right, so those are some of the things on the offense. The other big play, obviously, and and you were grinding the Nick Sirianni press conference. I mean, I felt embarrassed. I, you know, 
Sean puts in our spreadsheet, we have the 41 yard slot fade to Devontae Smith. Again, one of the biggest plays in the game. And I see, you know, Sean writes in the, in the spreadsheet there, Hertz checked to that at the line of scrimmage. And I'm watching it over and over again. And I'm like, I don't see any like hand signal. Like, all right, how does he know this? And he's like, oh, Sirianni said it in a press conference. So uh, again, listen, you're going the extra mile. Uh, you're a harder worker. You're grinding the press conference. But uh, what did you see on on that slot fade, which ended up being their biggest play of the game? I mean, shoot, we got to give the credit to you know the beat reporters, guys like EJ Smith, that are really grinding it out and able to that's get true. some of that Good information. Of us. That's it. where that's where the, the credit belongs. But yeah, I mean, you said it in the press conference, and you're right because so when you wrote that note of hey, I didn't really see anything, I was like, Shield, what are you what, like? What are you even looking at here? And then I go to it, and it's like, <laughs> well, you don't actually see anything from her. So. I, Part of me wonders if Sirianni's talking about a different play, but I mean, I, I think he's he's right. But either way, like that was a good example where Devontae Smith is running that slot fade where I think that they wanted to do that against Dallas particularly because Dallas is a one-high team. That slot fade is able to run away from that high safety. But this was a cool look because the Chiefs kind of have two defenders stacked over each other. So even if that defender is going to cover the deep half, like, hey, I'm more than comfortable with Devontae Smith running that route against, I mean, more or less anyone. And I mean, Hertz is just, like he does a good job of in his drop back. Like, let me just look off to the left. Let me make sure that we're all good here and just let that thing fly. Like the one thing I've always been not concerned about, but like, okay, is the ability to have some of these plays continue? Like, is that something that, you know, we have the AJ Brown example close to the goal line in this, in this game where that ends up as an incompletion. So like how many of those fall the Eagles way? How many of those fall the other way? And this one fell right into Devontae Smith's hands yeah. so i don't know like did he purposely have him down at the one to increase his rushing touchdown total you know who who's who's to know she'll again the beat reporters here are are with philly are great so maybe they can find that out but just like uh like wow like i i can't say enough about how many times he so clearly wants to do that i don't think every quarterback is like that i think that i don't know like maybe like obviously aj brown early in the game maybe he presses a little bit he wants to get vertical on a route where it ends up as an interception or where you know he probably should have settled uh, based on what the concept was or like based on that look you're obviously getting pressured but like Hertz is so happy to press that button over and over and I think as an offense like even when things aren't going right you know that you're going to get one of those a game that is really really sweet even if you're she'll use these fancy metri- metrics like your success rate is low but bang that EPA per play let's just let's be explosive you know keep it explosive it really is. They're always one play away from getting on track because of that. I mean, and it doesn't have to be some, uh, you know, some fancy passing. It can just be, hey, we have Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. Uh, A.J. Brown gets paid a lot of money. Devontae Smith is going to get paid a lot of money. Let's just go ahead and throw the football to them one on one. Again, there's a lot of stuff that's complex and then there's stuff that's simple. And this game was like you had a guy who can go make that play one on one and the Chiefs didn't have that guy. Uh, so that was huge. Or the Eagles there, that 41-yard completion. In terms of Hurts wanting to juice his rushing TDs, now, I would say this. Like, if he didn't have the contract yet, I would say, yeah, let's go, you know, leave that a little short. Let's make sure we get that in the box. He's got the contract, so you don't need to do that anymore. You know, maybe lay it out in front of him a little bit. You want Devontae Smith to be happy. If you're Devontae Smith, you're next in line for a contract. Do you want to juice those? So listen, there's there's got to be a little give and take when you're the quarterback. A lot of stuff goes into it, Sean. You know, Caleb Williams getting ripped for not talking to the media. You're the face of the franchise. These are things you got to do. You got to get your guys paid. All right. So there's that. All right. Last things here uh, on the offense. Uh, there was one sack where it looked to us like 
Lane Johnson, uh, you, you pointed this out and then I watched, I'm like, yeah, that looks exactly like what happened where Lane Johnson thought it was a screen and it didn't look like anyone else thought it was a screen. So it's really funny. He just like shoves Chris Jones basically <laughs> right at Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts must be like, what the hell, man? Uh, and so that ends up being a sack. So that speaks to what you were saying a little bit with the miscommunication. Like there was definitely stuff like that going on early in this game. You already went over the Jalen Hurts interception there. Those guys not on the same page. Uh, the QB draw, third and seven. This is one I tweeted about during the game. You get cover one. You got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, and you're going QB draw there. And I know, listen, I watched the film. I know they had the numbers. I know if Jason Kelsey blocks Chris Jones, maybe you pick it up. Guess what? I don't care. I still don't like it. I don't like that call. Throw the football to those guys. Take a chance. Have a little confidence in your passing game, even if the game wasn't going great. So I'll, I'll stick with ripping that one, uh, Sean. And then they run another QB draw, second and 22. Come on. What are we doing here? How many yards are we going to get on second? And, you can't get a 10. They're playing soft probably second and 22. You're telling me you can't pick up 10 yards there and set up a manageable third and 12. So that was an indicator, you know, that they just did not. They didn't want to. The second half, the passing game was screen, 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 screen. Shot to Devontae Smith. Screen, 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 screen. I mean, except for that one third down to Devontae. Like, that's just what they were going to do. They were going to uh, play it safe there. So I didn't like that one. Uh, third and, you know, I saw you put it, what did you put in 1.75? You wanted to point out <laughs> to me, you probably saw Shield was, you know, uh, just like on a bender tweeting during the game saying they should brotherly shove there. He doesn't know that it was almost two yards. Hey, you know what? I said, I don't care. If it's 1.75, you're telling me they can't get two brotherly shoves? It's the most unstoppable play we've seen in football during our lifetime. So I didn't like that. They're running inside zone to DeAndre Swift out of shotgun on third and 1.75. Don't overthink it. You know, Jalen Hurts picks up two on brotherly shoves. You can go ahead uh, and run that. So uh, those were some of the other things that stood out to me. <laughs> Sean, do I sound Yo, unhinged? It, it, do I, it, when I'm tweeting, you were probably like, why is he tweeting so much during this game? What is he okay? Do I need to check in on him? Sure, I know it's, it's just been an emotional week for you. I know you, we got that great video of you talking about the Jets. Please, everyone, you know, Shil Kapati on Twitter. It was, it was, it was, it was spectacular. And it's not a performance. It, it's true. And okay, the, the like 1.75 thing, that was, you know, that's another thing. Nick Sirianni in his press conference gives a whole, you know, on the TV, it looks like it's third and one, but like we saw it from, I mean, he's literally right there. So he has an idea. I like your rebuttal there because to me, it, it feels like the Eagles internally are like, if it is one yard, we're running it a hundred percent where it feels like it should be at two yards or like, if it's really anything, if it's 1.999 yards, that should be where you run it. And, and then you have two chances that, at it, right? If it's fourth and one, you're going yeah. for it. So yeah, I mean, hey, at some point, at some point in that game, especially the start of the second half, I know that uh, maybe it was in your drafts, but like just run it four plays in a row. We can't do anything else uh, anyway. So I, I do like that example where you had the quarterback draw where your immediate thought is like, we need to get AJ Brown and Devontae Smith involved. I think the next play is like, uh, he takes a shot to AJ Brown. It doesn't end up completed, but you know, maybe, I mean, maybe the offensive coaches are looking at your tweets during the game too. Cause it feels like you're, you got some fortune telling powers, but like overall, I, I understand if like you always tell me, right, the best win is like when the team wins and there's something you can kind of, talk about and, and complain about understand frustration at the offense hope that the defenses that play going forward are not as good as the Chiefs, and it's not going to be on the road i think they get the 49ers at home if i remember that correctly now that'll be another game where yeah that's you know an intense front and like really good in a lot of places i think and hope it'll look a little bit kind of different than this game you hope this is one where i mean you escape with a win and one of the hardest places to play against one of the best teams 
Let's let, let's keep it rolling. Let's be thankful for this one, you know? Yeah, they have, I would say, two good defenses on the rest of the schedule, honestly, 49ers and Cowboys. The rest of the, I would put the rest of them, not that they can't make you look bad on a given week. We saw that last year, but the rest of them, just looking at it, zooming out, um, are pretty mediocre. So I'm with you. It was an ugly offensive performance. There's no two ways about it. It's a long season. Overall, they've been very good on offense. Let's see if it's a pattern or not. If they come out and they look very shaky on offense against the Bills, I'm going to be uh, concerned there, but just have to give Jalen Hurts credit. I mean, he's so resilient. Nothing shakes him. The previous possession, the previous play, all those cliches that football players talk about actually apply to Jalen Hurts. They've got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. They're, there's always a time where you dial it up, take a shot, and that can change the whole complexion of the game. I thought that was key. And then again, I want to give DeAndre Swift a shout out. When you have an when you have an offensive game like that and back to back possessions, you're producing an explosive play like that. that that's big time. That went a, a long way in them winning that football game. All right. Somehow the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, Sean, we're making the longest episode uh, of the year. You're probably like, why did I even uh, agree to this? But listen, there's going to be a lot of people driving right in their cars. You're with your family. You want to put on something family friendly. We don't curse on here. I might have said H-E double hockey sticks earlier. That doesn't count. Come on. Kids kids are allowed to say that. Um, so we wanted to give you some content. So, all right, let's finish with this Bills preview. We don't need to go long on this. Uh, Bill's offense. So this has been a, a, a like a constant discussion on extra point taken on the ringer NFL feed really with all national football analysis is the Buffalo Bills. Are they a good team or are they not a good team? I would argue they're a bit of a roller coaster, but overall they are a good team that is capable of looking terrible. <laughs> so, like I think they can win. The, they, I think they could win the Super Bowl. I think they could miss the playoffs. They're a high variance team. Um, the analysis on offense specifically, Sean, is pretty boring because it's like what you hear on NFL pregame shows. You can't, you know, when they do keys to the game, you can't turn the football over some like, you know, old coach says, well, thank you. I'm glad you get paid for that analysis. It actually does apply like a hundred percent to the bills. When they turn the football over, they look terrible. And they had that horrible six game stretch where they were turning the football over on, I think 21% of their possessions, which is just like a wild number. But if you look at all the other offensive stats, they're third in EPA per drive. They're third in success rate. They're third in DVOA. They're better than the Eagles offense in every metric. I'm not telling you the metrics are everything, but um, that is something to keep in mind. Like overall, big sample, zoom out. There's still been a very efficient offense. So uh, what have you seen? What are your kind of quick thoughts uh, on this Bills offense and how the Eagles defense matches up with them? Yeah, I'm in the like Bills offense all that matters to me is like they can be great and like they have the ability to totally blow out the Eagles defense. So that's, I think, really an important thing to consider. They obviously, you know, they fire their offensive coordinator. Does the offense change overnight? No, it doesn't. I do think against the Jets, they did a better job of, you know, it seems like they had things really designed for like their running back to kind of be an early part of the progression where things are schemed open for that player where Allen doesn't get the opportunity to kind of, you know, hold it, hold it, hold it and throw it deep downfield. At the same time, I mean, he like, that guy throws fireballs and he did against the Jets. So you kind of are like living on the edge in a lot of different ways. I do think overall, you know, I would imagine it's more of a zone game plan than a man, man game plan. Cause you know, as we talked about a little bit earlier, like the Bengals two and three or the Bengals, the, the bills two and three between Gabe Davis and Khalil Shakir, like those guys are just good. Like, I think they're probably better than what the chiefs have. And that also has the bills offense where they have that spread to run game, which is a thing that concerns me. So I think, you know, Maybe get your double teams to digs in in zone coverage. You know, a few ways that they used it against Justin Jefferson. 
you're going to have to be able to keep eyes on Josh Allen. I'm glad they saw Patrick Mahomes first because you get a quarterback that is so great at moving in the pocket where I think Allen is more likely to break some of those. But then the, like the Bengals film, the Bengals used that simple TE stunt, like tackle first and looping inside so much against the Bills, particularly that right side of the offensive line. So it feels like, you know, this hopefully is a game where maybe our coverage doesn't have to hold up in the same way because you're beating those guys up front in the pass game. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think that's yeah. I, I agree. This this should be a zone heavy because Josh Allen is a uh, you know he can pick up chunks as a scrambler, and depending on what his mood is for the day, they've been trying to get him to slide for four four years, but sometimes he's just feeling it and he breaks a tackle and he's hard uh, to bring down. So um, yeah, they got Khalil Shakir, uh, kind of slot receiver. He had a big catch. Last week, Gabe Davis has been kind of hit or miss for them, but we know he's capable of making big plays. Uh, Dalton Kincaid is the other guy to keep an eye on. He's become like a go-to target for Josh Allen this year, their first-round pick, uh, their tight end. He's, he's looked really good for them as well. And then it goes under the radar, but their running game has been like maybe as efficient as it's ever been in Buffalo with Josh Allen. I mean, they're sixth in rushing DVOA. James Cook has looked really good, again, when he hangs on to the football. He had some big fumbles, but when he hangs on to the football, he's looked like a really good back. So I think Sean McDermott making that OC change, it was a kind of a wild move. I, at the same time, I am pretty sure part of his directive is run the football like a little bit more. I mean, he's an old school defensive coach. Uh, so when the passing game's working, he's all for it. But I'm, I'm sure he's whispering to Joe Brady, hey, you know, if you want to keep this job for longer than this year, let's make sure we run the football uh, a little bit. So those are things to keep an eye. I think it's a tough matchup for the Eagles defense. I think they're going to give up stuff uh, in this game. I think that Bill's offense is, you know, better than we've seen. Um, and they've been a little bit up and down. And again, they, they might have a couple turnovers in this game, but I would like, I, I don't think the Eagles defense is going to have as good of a defensive performance in this game as uh, they had last week against the chiefs. All right. Then we get to the Bill's defense, just kind of killed by injuries. I mean, it's some of their best play. Maybe they're I'm trying to think, is this right? Maybe they're two best players. Certainly, I would say two of their best three players are out for the season. Uh, Off-ball linebacker Matt Milano and cornerback Tredavious White are both out for the year. There's other injuries too here, Sean. They got, you know, we're, we're recording this on like Wednesday, early afternoon, so we don't know the status of these players, but they had uh, cornerback Dane Jackson, Nickel Taron Johnson, safety Micah Hyde, and safety Taylor Rapp are all dealing with injuries. Like those are four like key members of these are guys who play in your secondary. So as of this, you know, recording, we don't know who's going to be available, but that's something to keep an eye on as the season uh, or as the week goes on. They added former Eagle Rasul Douglas at the trade deadline. He played well last week. Eagles fans know kind of what they're getting with him. Big physical player, uh, tries to create turnovers, can get beat uh, deep, you know, not, not the fastest guy. So that's something to keep an eye on if you can make a play on him downfield overall stats seventh in epa per drive 13th in success rate 15th in dvoa i would say those numbers are misleading since milano and tradavius white went down they have not been nearly as good so i would definitely describe them at this point as a below average defense what do you see from see from them right now yeah i think that this is a game where there's like not a matchup where i'm like oh no like what are the eagles gonna do in this situation like you should be able to run the ball on that defensive front especially yeah matt milano i think actually just like has the ability to be one of the best linebackers in the league at a lot of points and him, he's being out. And then obviously with Trey White has been out for a while now. Like the assumption for the Eagles should be like no one can cover AJ Brown until it's proven differently. And I don't think this is a game where it gets proven any differently. So obviously, you know, 
last week. You have that Monday night game. You get home, whatever. It's like Tuesday morning at 4 a.m. for those Eagles players. You got that short week. I'm sure you have a lot of juice just kind of rolling in you. You Hopefully, they can turn things over kind of quickly. Like, I don't know. Like my, I do have concerns for Hertz's knee going forward. I think that we didn't talk about it too much, just his mobility in general. Obviously, able to have an effect kind of on the goal line. You know, if the, the Bills defense is able to get pressure, is it just, well, Hertz doesn't have to move at all. Let's just throw the ball up there. So, and overall, like, I don't have, too, I guess, too much of a concern in that on that side where the Eagles offense, like, Let's go ahead and put up at least 28 points and give me and me and you a, a few less things to talk about what we're just saying, encouraging over and over instead of, oh man, why'd you throw another screen? Yeah, their uh their pass rush has not been uh, you know, very good. Uh Von Miller has been a non-factor for them. Ed Oliver has been probably one of their best players, defensive tackle. That's a matchup certainly to keep an eye on. Cam Jurgens return last week. I thought he was kind of up and down. Uh, if I'm be, if I'm being honest, I didn't think it was the cleanest game from Kim Jurgen. So that's a matchup to keep an eye on. Uh, veteran Leonard Floyd has played well for them. Gregory Rousseau is a good young pass rusher. So those are players to keep an eye on up front. They're bottom five in blitz percentage. But as we saw, you know, Bill's had that game against the Broncos where Sean McDermott's dialing up a zero blitz twice in a row. Maybe cost him the game down the stretch. So he's still got a little that Jim Johnson DNA in him where he's willing to be uh, aggressive, but uh, play a lot of different coverages. You know, you, I, I like looking at it the way you did. You mentioned it. Like I like looking at how many coverages do they play that did they play in a game that were like over 10%, you know, that's like, they're just the general, Oh, okay. They do a lot of different things and they're over that in like a number uh, of different, co- at least five different coverages they've played 10% of the time. So I think they're going to play a lot of split safety zone here. I would think McDermott goes into this saying, we're not get, you know, I'm not trusting this inexperienced secondary against these receivers. So I would expect to see a lot of cover two, a lot of cover four, a lot of cover six. And as we mentioned, when we were talking about the self scouting, Jalen hurts, statistically, some of his worst numbers are against those split safety zones. So we'll see what the Eagles offense looks like there. All right. This will finish. I'm like making a prediction on the fly here, Sean. You know, we're recording earlier. I haven't thought about it too much yet. I did pick the Bills plus three or plus three and a half in my column. I was actually thinking about picking the Bills to win this game. It would not, I mean, the Eagles aren't going to go, are they going to go 16 and one? Like they're going to lose one. They have to lose one of these games, don't they? I don't think they're going to lose to the Niners next. That's next week, right? I don't think they're going to lose to the Niners next week. Um, I do think right now I would say maybe they lose that game in Dallas. Like going in, you're saying, all right, can do they split with Dallas? That kind of makes sense to me. It probably doesn't hurt you that much. I'm not going to do it. You know what? It's, it's Thanksgiving week. You're listening on your long road trip. Some of you got mad that I even picked the Chiefs last week. Like, come on, I got to pick them to lose. Sometimes I'm going to pick the Eagles to win. When, you, when the quarterback goes 23-2 and two in the regular season, I'm not going to overthink it. So I'm going to pick the Bills to cover. Eagles to win, let's say 27-26 Eagles. I think Bills move the football. I think we're on here next week saying, ooh, all right, well, I have they get carved up a little bit defensively, but we're saying, oh, the offense uh, got back on track against this Bills team. So there you go, Eagles 27, Bills 26. All right, Sean, what did I miss? What do you have to pluck? What do you got? You, you got to go get some pies. I feel bad. <laughs> I mean, if, you, if, the, if the pies, listen, you do have an excuse. Life is about sometimes having valid excuses. If you're not able to get those pies, you tell the family, she'll kept me for like, I thought it was going to be the short pot. It's the day before Thanksgiving. He kept me forever. So the pies, the grocery store, you know, uncle or auntie told me that the last pies just got taken. And so I couldn't get them. I'm sorry. So 
There you go. Sure. I mean, the, there's just no way that would be a valid excuse with them. I just, I just, <laughs> I, I fear that you have maybe overestimated their, uh, their, you know, their pie to to the podcast ratio here. They're definitely, I think, uh, going to be pro pie. But you know, obviously, number one plug, just everyone, you know, be kind to each other. If you have a Thanksgiving football game, you have to stretch. You know, you don't run the same as you did when you're 18. That's okay. Be, you know, let's let's keep it no tackling. I know we want to relive the glory days. Let's keep that out. Uh, a real big plug, though, is if you aren't cooking, uh, do some dishes. Help out. It's a team effort, right? Like, let's all let's all do our 111th uh, in our proverbial football field at all times. But other than that, set you know, a follow- table, maybe <laughs> set a table, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, I mean, okay. No? Let's see the, oh, too much the, the setting the table, you know, that like that's an art in and of itself. I feel like dishes you can mm. sometimes get away with, you know, and eyes not always on you. But I will say I'm a stickler for, you know, we don't need any. You can listen to this smudges, pod you know? while you wash the dishes, too. You know, that's a nice activity while you wash the dishes. Well, sure, you'd have to like do dishes for like six Thanksgivings to <laughs> to cover the amount of time that that we went on this podcast. But yeah, everyone, you know, just follow Side Schemes on Twitter. Take a look at SumerSports.com for my article from last week on Jalen Hurts still playing like an MVP. Still valid. I think it's still valid. Uh, and then my pin tweet is a like a deep dive on Kyle Shanahan, maybe a, a preview for the 49ers if you want to, you know, talk to the 49ers fan in your life about some of the fun stuff that they do. Also, yeah, definitely check out Sean's Twitter account because a lot of the stuff we talked about uh, in this podcast, he's got clips of. He's got clips of the Eagles doubling uh, Travis Kelsey. He's got clips. Do we have a name for that? Right, I'm not going to ask you any. Sorry. We, we got to wrap it up. I'll ask you next week. Uh, he has clips of the Creeper and how the, the Chiefs got the Eagles uh, on that bad boy. So um, you can check all of that out on his Twitter account. By the way, I mean, I should have shouted this guy out probably three podcasts ago. And um, certainly earlier, thanks to listener Nikhil, who is just, you know, taking our podcast. We asked for someone, hey, if you want to take the audio and lay it over place, he's doing an amazing job in posting those on Twitter. So we retweet those uh, every week. So you can follow him on Twitter. Uh, I'm being a bad host because I don't have his Twitter account in front of me, but we retweet it. So just look at it. Give him a follow and check those out. All right. Marathon edition. Wasn't expecting it, but you know what? Chiefs, Bills pies there was a lot to get to thank you to sean thank you to cliff augustine and also big assist jamie mcclellan coming through in the clutch for us again assisting with the production here busy time at the ringer for the holiday so i uh, appreciate both those guys pitching in here uh i'm shil kapadia i'll be back with benny souls sunday evening we'll talk eagles bills everyone have a great thanksgiving make sure those potatoes are crisp yell out creepers listen to the pod and we will talk to you on Sunday night. Thanks again. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut. 
1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. 